Great job, kids. Let's give it up for the kids choir. Woo! Man, kids' music has come a long way since I was a kid. It was Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had... I am one... Let's just stop right there, all right? Theologically, it's a great song. Uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, all right? Uh, we got more beat today. We got more beat to our theology. I think that's a good thing. Thank you, kids, for... for Bringing it. Killing it. What other word? Come on. See? Yeah, good. You guys have the gift of encouragement. I love that. I love that. Are you guys ready for Luke? Are you tired of Luke? Good. Because we're going to be in it for a long time. Um, you know, our goal is not to get through Luke. Our goal is for Luke to get through us. And sometimes you have to slow down and you have to breathe and you have to meditate and you have to read that again and look at that again and different angles again. And uh, I think it's safe to say that um, um, God wants Luke to get through us. And I think one of the ways that we can do that is... Um, not just showing up and go pastor and hear about it and hear him preach, whatever. But what if you were reading Luke? So maybe on Sunday morning or maybe that's not a good morning. Maybe some other morning or maybe every morning of the week. You're reading Luke. You're, med- you're reading a little bit ahead. So when you get here, you're like, oh, yeah, I just read that. And the spirit of God's already talking to me, right? Another thing you can do to get Luke in you is to go to a small group. And just talk about it. Unpack it. Man, I don't get this. This really I get. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Small group. Another place is to go to one of our prayer meetings. uh, Because we're going to be praying Luke. We're going to pray that this good news would actually be experienced in our lives. And uh, we do that in a lot of prayer meetings. And you can also do this. You can share. Somebody say share. share. You can share Luke. You can share the good news that you're learning from the good news according to Luke. So those are just some things. Hey, let's make this bigger than Sunday morning experience. Let's let's make Luke our life for this next year. Let's go. Okay, God, you know, let's dive into this. Listen, if we get tired of the good news, right? Either I'm not telling it right or, you know. Yeah, okay, let's keep moving. Um, So we're going to pick up the story. And again, today we're looking at two incredible women how many of you know women are incredible? And all the men said, Amen. good opportunity, guys. And so, but here's the deal. In that culture, uh, first century Palestine, um, women were, they, they had to fight. They had to fight for a voice. They had to fight for rights. Um, in, in that time, women were marginalized. And in some ways, women, in many ways, actually, women are today as well. They're fighting to 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 be to, to have that voice. And here are two women we're looking at. Um, Mary, who is young and single, and Elizabeth, who is elderly and barren. Um, those two kinds of women in that culture were, were, were disgraced. If you're barren, it was God's curse on your life. If you're, if you're single and you're young, you know, you're just, you're treated, you know, you're just quiet. You know, we don't want to hear from you. And we know that Mary, from last week's message that Carrie preached, Mary was a teenage girl, uh, she was engaged or betrothed to be married to Joseph. 
We know she was a teenager. Uh, she could have been 12. She could have been 16, somewhere in the middle there. But that's very, very young, okay? And uh, Mary has a, um, has a relative named Elizabeth. Elizabeth's married to a guy named Zechariah, right? Did I get that right? Zechariah, yeah. And, and what happens is, is an angel named Gabriel visits Zechariah, remember? And he says, hey, you're going to have a son. You've been praying for one. I'm going to give you a son. His name is to be John which means God is gracious, right? And your son, John, is going to pave the way for Jesus to come. He's going to be the forerunner, all right? And then the same angel, Gabriel, appears to Mary and says, hey, Mary, I know you're a virgin, right? But you're going to have a son. And his name is to be Jesus, which means he will save his people from their sins, So this angel says, hey, Mary, you are the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Um, The son of God's going to be born of a virgin and you're the one. God's chosen you. And oh, by the way, then the angel says to Mary, your uh, relative Elizabeth is also pregnant. Six months pregnant. All right. That means you're showing. All right. And so what does Mary do? I want to go visit my cousin, my relative. I want to see I want to be with her in, in the last you know, three months of her pregnancy. And that's where we pick up the story today in Luke chapter one, verse 39. And as we read this passage, and anytime we read this book of Luke, we should ask ourselves the question, what is the good news right here that God is wanting to tell us? So let's look at it. Verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and she hurried down to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Somebody say leaped. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored or blessed that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So we're going to pause there. This first chunk is about Mary's greeting. Okay. The second chunk we're going to read in a minute is about Mary's song. First, Mary's greeting. Something very powerful happens when Mary greets Elizabeth. First thing that happens, this six-month-old boy named John inside the womb starts leaping for joy. Now, how many moms have had your, right? You've had that son or daughter do some leaping, right? How many, you're not leaping for joy. They're leaping for joy. You're like, ooh, right? Come on, ladies, tell me. I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. So here's this boy leaping for joy. And uh, what happened at that moment is most likely that is the moment that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, It was prophesied that this boy would be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. So here's John six months leaping for joy. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. And then Elizabeth responds as well to this greeting. And her response was this. She was filled with the Holy Spirit and she was immediately able to do something she would not normally physically be able to do. And that was know that Mary was pregnant and that she was pregnant with the son of God. There's no way Elizabeth could have known that without the Holy Spirit revealing that to her. She did not know 
that Mary was pregnant. But God knew and God revealed it to her through the Holy Spirit. So big picture, what do we learn from that? Okay, when God fills a person with the Holy Spirit, he also gives them gifts. Somebody say gifts. Gifts are things we don't earn. We don't deserve. There's just unmerited favor from God. God says, listen, I want to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And when I do, I'm going to give you some gifts. Okay, I'm going to give you a gift of word of knowledge. And that's what happened right there. Elizabeth had the word of knowledge. Okay, Uh, there's gifts of healing. There's gifts of miracles. There's gift of tongues. There's gift of interpretation of tongues. Uh, There's there's all kinds of different kinds of gifts, gifts of discernment. Listen, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you have a gift. What is your gift? When is the last time you used it? I need it. Bless me with your gift. Gifts are given to edify, to build up the body of Christ. And what's happening here is who gets edified? Who gets built up because of this gift? Mary does. Here's this woman, relative, doesn't know she's pregnant. She walks in the door. Hi, Elizabeth. Boom. She's filled with the spirit. She goes, you're pregnant and you've got the son of God in your belly. And what do you think Mary's going to do? Confirmation. Yes. Yes, it's what the angel said. Yes, she was built up. She was filled with joy. You have a gift of the Holy Spirit given to you to make me happy. Somebody say happy, happy, happy. God has given you a gift and it's not for you. It's for others. It's to edify other people around you. So use that gift of healing. Right. If I'm sick, I want somebody with a gift. Hey, faith will get anybody healed. But there's the God give supernatural gifts. Okay. So the question here is, what are you able to do that you could not do without the help of the Holy Spirit? Think about your life right now. What is it that you're in your life that you're not able to do without the help of the Holy Spirit? What's supernatural thing? And and it could be everything because Jesus, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so that's kind of the everyday thing. There's nothing we can do without God. For example, go back to Genesis. Um, God creates Adam. Then he he breathes the breath of life into Adam. And Adam becomes what? A living being, a living soul, right? See, the moment God stops breathing life into you, you stop breathing. So every breath you have is from God. You're dependent. It's by him we live and move and have our being, right? So in some sense, man, we can't do anything apart from God. But then there's these like supernatural things, right, that God wants to be able to do through our lives that require us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We cannot reach this world without the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot go to the nations and proclaim Jesus without being filled with the Spirit. We need that power. And Acts chapter 1 reminds us of that. Okay, so let's go back to the greeting here. What was so special about Mary's greeting? What was so special? I don't even know what she said. It doesn't record exactly what Mary said her greeting was. Um, Was it profound? Did she learn how to be a great greeter from our greeting team here at Glad Tidings? Is that why her greeting was so amazing? You know, I wonder if it wasn't so much her greeting. It wasn't what she said, but it was more about the presence of God within her. How many of you know that the presence of God 
is more powerful, more impactful than any two syllables that I could put together. You can say amen really loud to that. I won't be offended, okay? Right? Uh, what, what happened that day was, was Jesus was in the womb. But Jesus was also in the room. Mary was carrying Jesus. She was carrying the presence of Jesus. Can I tell you this morning, when you walk into the room, Jesus walks into the room. Okay. Sometimes we forget that. The moment we leave here, we we feel like we're alone. We're just out there trying to survive until the next meal. You know? No. Paul said the mystery of the gospel is this. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. When I walk into my home... What my family needs to experience is not Walt as much as Jesus. It's a good opportunity, gentlemen, when you get home from work to pause before you step into your house and ask the question, does my family need to experience me right now or Jesus in me? Let's make sure they're getting Jesus and not me. I'm tired. I'm cranky. I want to chill out, veg out, whatever, pig out, right? What, what do they need at that moment? They need Christ in you, the hope of glory. When you're walking down aisle 13 in Walmart, you're not alone. Jesus is walking down down aisle 13 in Walmart. You can talk to our prophetic and evangelism teams. They'll tell you all about that. And when you see that person in aisle 13 at Walmart who is distressed, there's things going on in their life, and you can tell they're not good things, can I encourage you this morning that you are not the only one walking down aisle 13 in Walmart? Jesus is through you. He's walking down that. And so when Mary walked into the room, things started happening. And I just wonder if that's God's will for all of us. What if things change when we walk into the room? Things change when we open our mouths and we greet people. Do you think that's God's will just for Mary just that day? What happened is Jesus stepped into the room that day and it changed everything. And I think we need to be just more tuned into, man, there's a there's somebody living inside of me that's dying to get out. Everywhere I go, I want to be sensitive. OK, God, it's no longer I that live, but Christ in me. What do you want to say? What do you want to do? What, what am I? How, what do you want to say to this person who's screaming in my face right now? My boss screaming, what do, God, how do I respond? A gentle answer turns away wrath. Thank you. Are you with me? Christ in you. Hope of glory. Not much different than Mary. No disrespect to Mary. Presence of God is presence of God. Okay. How did God get inside of me? Same way inside of Mary. Miracle. Faith. All right. We're having fun. So perhaps um, we need to change our prayers from Lord come to Lord, be, Lord, because you have come rule and reign in this place. We've got to stop inviting the presence of God into the room and announce that it's already here. Can we just say the presence of God is here? You felt it. You experienced it during worship. Right. Um, and hopefully when the kids sang too, regardless, the presence of God is here. Didn't, didn't leave. 
He, he left his spirit with us. His presence is here. It's with us. Let's not ignore him. How many of you know you can have somebody living in your house and ignore them? Right. That's the way it is with the presence of God. You can't get away from the presence of God, but you can ignore the presence of God. Right. So if my wife and I are having a fight, right, I can ignore her, but I can't get away from her presence. She's there. Right. Well, that's what my truck's for. I get mad. I jump in my truck and right? I get away. My wife and I never fight. Did you get that? I record that. We never argue and never fight. It's like a prayer meeting in our house 24-7. <laughs> All right. I hope, I hope God's talking to you today more than me. Um, so here's what's interesting about what, what Elizabeth says. Uh, she starts blessing Mary. She uses this word blessed, 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 blessed. And she says, blessed is Mary among women. Blessed is Mary among women, not above women, right? Mary is just like, ladies, just like all of you, okay? She was blessed among women, not above women. We don't look to Mary. We don't pray to Mary. We don't, you know, there, there's a, yeah, we're going to call her blessed. But everybody who believes is called blessed in the scriptures, all right? I believe that Mary was blessed not because she was the mother of Jesus, but because she believed she could be. A willing, any willing 12-year-old girl who was a virgin, a descendant of David, living in Nazareth, could have been the mother of Jesus. But what made Mary special is that she believed. And Elizabeth said it. Blessed is she who has believed. And God knew it, and God chose Mary, and God blessed her because of her faith. Mary said, I'll be the vessel, see? I wonder how many vessels God skips over because they don't say, God, I'll be the man. I'll be the woman. God's eyes are looking throughout the earth, searching, looking for somebody whose heart is fully committed to him so that he can come and strengthen that person and, and equip them for ministry. At one point in Jesus's ministry, he was giving a talk and a woman in the crowd Yelled out and said this. Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And Jesus reply was this. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. In other words, Jesus was saying, hey, you're making way too much of a deal about my, my mom, Mary. I love my mom. I respect my mom. I call her on Mother's Day. Right. But it's not about Mary. He's saying, he's saying it's about my mom's faith. It, what made Mary special was not that she gave birth to Jesus, that she nursed Jesus. What made Mary special is that she believed what the angel had said would come true. And she said, yes. Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the word and obey it. What did Mary do? She heard the word of God. I want you to be the vessel. She said yes, and she obeyed it. And she was blessed. See, this, this obedience thing, you know, Jesus said, hear the word, obey the word. Okay, we're great hearers. We're not great doers. All right. But here's the deal. Um, faith, 
mature faith, biblical faith, God kind of faith always has obedience attached to it. You can say, I believe, I believe, I believe. But if you don't do after you believe, you don't believe. Okay. When the angel said the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you or power of God's going to overshadow you. You're going to be the, the give birth to the son of God. Immediately, Mary said, yes, she didn't say, I'll pray about it. She didn't give the Christian, I'll pray about it. Right. It's like if I went home today and I asked one of my kids, listen, um, you, you haven't done your chores. I want you to do your chores. Make your bed, clean your room, empty the dishwasher and go clean up Opal or St. Bernard's poop in the backyard. And by the way, there's a big shovel in the shed. Right. And, I, and if I asked one of my kids to do that and they said, Dad, I appreciate you submitting that to me. Uh, I'm going to take that to the Lord in prayer. We'll see if that's God's will for me. Right. A good parent would not put up with that. Somebody say, amen. Amen. We're not going to negotiate. This isn't do it tomorrow, the next day, the next day. No, I need you to do this right now. And a good child, an obedient child is going to say, yes, mom. Yes, dad. Right. I believe Mary had great parents. They taught her immediate obedience. Here's what Jonathan Edwards said. Revivalist a couple hundred years ago, he said, if children cannot be brought to obey their parents, they cannot be brought to obey God. Mary was brought and taught up to obey God immediately. No, I'll pray about it. No games. No, let's cut a deal here. It was immediate obedience. And we and we kind of forget about that message of obedience today. But we need to bring it back. See, obedience is it's under it's underrated now. It's underpreached, it's underpracticed. And I love the great commission we quoted a lot. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them, right? In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then we stop. But the rest of the great commission passage is and teach them to obey. To obey what? All that I have commanded. We have to get back to an obedience-based discipleship. I didn't say obedience-based salvation. I said obedience-based discipleship. The disciples of Jesus heard the word and they obeyed it. Mary heard the word and she obeyed it. For some of you, the Spirit is saying, get your obedience in order. You know what God is asking of you. Most of it's written in the pages of the Bible Do it. No arguments, no put off, no this first. No, I just bought me a house, bought me a cow, got me a wife. I don't know how, right? It's no, we're going to do this thing. We're all in. It's going to cost us. It cost Mary a lot. All right. So are you with me? All right. Now we're jumping into Mary's song. Mary's song, Luke chapter one, verse 46. Okay, here's her song. Mary said, my soul glorifies or magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. She's talking about herself from now on. All generations will call me blessed and or for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So basically she's saying, wow, God, you did this for me. 
I magnify your name. I glorify your name. And then she says, it's not just for me. Verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Now watch verse 52. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Okay, big song, right? Let's just move on to the next thing. Nice little song, nice little poem. Let's move on. That's the way a lot of us us approach the songs in the Bible, including me. All right. So what we have to do is we have to look at this song and we have to ask the question, why did Luke, the author, Why did he include Mary's song in this good news that he was giving to Theophilus? Why? Why did did Luke write this song down? Well, what's interesting about this song is there's another song that's really familiar to this song. And it's found in the Old Testament. It's found in the book of 1 Samuel. And the song there is sung by a woman named Hannah. Okay, Hannah, to tell you a little bit about the story, she was... Um, She was barren. She was wanting to have child. She was aging, not able to have a child. She went to the temple to pray. She's praying in the temple, pouring out her heart to God. God, if you would give me a son, I would give him back to you. God hears her prayer. She has a son. His name is Samuel. After Samuel is weaned, she goes back to the temple with Samuel and she dedicates Samuel there at the temple and he she leaves Samuel there at the temple under the watch of Eli, the priest, and Samuel begins to serve the Lord there. And that's when Hannah breaks into a song that's very similar to Mary's song. Okay, are you with me? And here's here's Hannah's song. Let's take a quick look at it. And then we're going to we're going to talk about why these two songs in the Bible are so important and why they're so similar. So first Samuel chapter two, verse one, then Hannah prayed and she said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. Can I just pause for a moment and, and say this? If you feel like um, I'm giving you too much scripture this morning, let's repent of that. And let's love the word of God. Even if we don't always get it and understand it and it feels kind of, uh, let's embrace it and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us with it. Okay. All right. So then Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. This sounds like Mary in whom my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies for I delight in your deliverance. The bows now jump to verse four. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hired themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. Boy, this sounds familiar. Verse number six, the Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he raises up. Verse eight, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. Sounds familiar. Verse number 10, he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Okay, boom. That's just an excerpt of Hannah's song. So what is this song all about? Is Hannah rejoicing because she's no longer barren? Certainly that's part of it, but it's so much bigger than that. What she's introducing here is a complete reversal of fortunes. 
It's not just about this old barren woman who prayed and God heard her prayer. She is laying out a complete reversal of fortunes. Everything is turned upside down. God is saying through this song that he loves to take people who are low and raise them up. He loves to take the needy from the ash heap and put the needy in seats of honor. This is a totally, this is so much bigger than Hannah. It's this reversal of fortunes. And who will bring this reversal of fortunes? Well, Hannah says there's a king coming that will be exalted. What kind of king is coming? Israel at this point had no king. They had no kingdom. And and Hannah begins to introduce it and says, the lowly are brought up. They become princes. They become kings. Who's she talking about? She's talking about a shepherd boy named David. Who God, who God saw his humbleness, his humility And he saw his heart and God took a shepherd. And in that day and age, a shepherd was the lowest class. It was the it was the worst job in the world. Nobody wanted to be a shepherd. And God took a shepherd boy, humble, helpless, hungry, and elevated him to the position, the employment of kingship. This is so much more than God answered my prayer and I had a baby. What is Hannah doing? She's introducing a king. She's introducing the kingdom of Israel. She's saying a king is coming. Everything's about to change. It's an upside down kingdom. Those that are high are brought down. Those that are low are brought up. That's Hannah's song. Now, Mary's song. Exactly the same. She's not only saying, hey, God has blessed me. A virgin is having a baby. It's so much bigger than that. This baby born of this virgin is is the announcement. There's a new king. And he's bringing a kingdom. And it's not just a king for the kingdom of Israel. It's a kingdom for the entire world. A king for every nation on planet earth. This is big, big news. So just as Hannah is setting up the rest of First and Second Samuel. Introducing this kingdom of Israel under David. We have Mary who is setting up the rest of Luke. Introducing the kingdom of God. Under King Jesus. Did you catch all that? All right. Now, I'm not that smart. I got some of this wisdom from a podcast. Uh, there's a seminary here in town called the Pillar Seminary. Uh, and and uh, uh, Scott Booth, Old Testament scholar, he kind of unpacked some of this. And I thought, man, I'd share it with you today. Did you enjoy that? Next time you see, next time you see Scott, thank him. All right. So that's kind of the big picture there. And what's crazy about this is God introduces this upside down kingdom with this new king. The way he introduces it is in such an, a strange way. Uh, he, he involves a 12 year old child to bring this good news. He didn't go to the Sanhedrin, which is the kind of the Supreme Court of of Israel in that day. He didn't go to them and say, hey, something big's going to happen. I want you to print it in every, every, you know, the Jerusalem Post. And I want you to, you know, get it out on Twitter and, and none of that. God said, I want to deliver this amazing kingdom upside down through a 12 year old person. I like God. Can we just give God a hand? I mean, is that awesome? I mean, that's just the way God works. You, you can't tell me you're too young to be used in the kingdom. 
We're too old. God blows both out. He goes, I can, I can make the old bear fruit. I can make the young bear fruit. Everything in between bear fruit. He chooses this, this 12-year-old girl who's poor from some small town in Nebraska. No offense, small town Nebraska. Right? I mean, she's not married. She's, she might be illiterate. We don't know. Right? And God says, I choose you. Why? Because you believed that what I said would take place. Listen, can I tell you, God is not looking for great Christians in the kingdom. He's looking for great believers. Are you a believer this morning? Mary was a great believer. She believed that what God had said would come true. Thank God for that. I want to wrap this up now because I want all of us to have an opportunity to encounter the king and his kingdom this morning. And I want you to be reminded of what this upside down kingdom looks like and how how some of you some of you feel like God has passed over you and you have no place to be useful in his kingdom. And I want to tell you, God has not passed over you. You've stopped believing that you could be used. And maybe this morning for you, you're saying, you know what, God, here am I. Here am I. Send me. Use me in this kingdom. Paul, the apostle, he affirmed that the kingdom was an upside down kingdom. It doesn't work like this world. You don't get promoted at work like you get promoted in the kingdom. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. He said, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. And what he's talking about is think of what you were when you when God called you to be saved. When he said, follow me. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential and not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Why? So that no one may boast before him. There's three people in this song that Mary points out. And she basically says, this is who the kingdom of God is for. It's for the helpless. It's for the hungry. And it's for the humble. And if you're helpless today, and you're hungry, and you're humble, (laughs) I've got good news for you. The kingdom of God comes to you right now in Jesus' name. His rule and his reign is coming your way. I want you to do this. I want you to stand to your feet with me. If you're helpless, you say, God, I can't do this without you. Right? If you're hungry, the Bible says all those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. If you're hungry for more of God, you're hungry for more of his kingship, his his reign in your life. And if you're humble and if you'll just say, God, I can't. It's not about me. It's you, God. Do it. I'm going to invite you to come forward and we're just going to pray together. You can even come right now as I'm talking. And we're going to pray that God's kingdom would come. And I want to tell you a quick little story. I heard it this week. It's so powerful about God's kingdom coming. I was listening to the radio and I heard this British uh, evangelist tell the story about a friend of his who um, 
I don't know if he was injured or she was injured in an accident or what, but she was in the hospital. She was in a coma. She was brain dead. They said five days is about it. We'll have to unplug the machine. So he came in to see his friend and he brought his wife with him and they gathered around their friend who was laying in this bed, brain dead, no chance to live. And they joined hands with her and they began to pray and they said, we're going to pray like Jesus taught us to pray. And they stood there, they closed their eyes and they prayed and they began to pray the Lord's prayer and, and our father, which art in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. And boom, in that moment, as soon as they prayed, thy kingdom come, this woman sat up in her bed. She sat up. Woke up, healed, no more brain dead. What happened? Somebody stood between heaven and earth and prayed that the kingdom of heaven would kiss earth that day and God heard and God answered and there was life and that's what we're going to do in this altar we're going to pray kingdom come will be done on earth as it is in heaven who's this kingdom for it's for the helpless it's for the hungry and it's for the humble if you can identify with that today come 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 to the psalter. We're going to pray. We're going to sing this chorus. How many of you know the king is among us? The king is among us. He is here. He is among us. I'm going to invite our prayer workers to come. If you have not acknowledged that Jesus is the king and that his kingdom is bigger than your kingdom, And you want to enter the kingdom of God. The Bible says you can enter the kingdom of God by faith in this king. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the king. I believe you are God. I believe you were born of the Virgin Mary. I believe you lived a sinless life. I believe you died a substitutionary death. I believe you were supernaturally raised from the dead to never die again. Jesus, I believe you're the king. And boom, you are entered into the kingdom of God. And if that's you this morning and you need that, you want to acknowledge Jesus as king and you are not, come to this altar right now and receive your king. God, I thank you this morning that there is power, power, wonder-working power here today. God, I thank you that your word is powerful. I thank you, God, that you said pray this prayer. Pray like this. And things are released. So we pray right now. Our Father, which art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right here, right now, God, do it. God, deliver your kingdom to the helpless. Deliver your kingdom to those who hunger for it. Deliver it to the humble today. Come on, where are you falling short? You're helpless today. God, I thank you that you that you lift the lowly and you bring them and you lift them to elevated places. God, I thank you that you fill the hungry with good things. God, I thank you that you put down the proud and the arrogance. Today we humble ourselves before you, God, and we receive your kingdom in a rich, powerful way. God, those that are those that have sinned are now forgiven in Jesus' name. Those who are sick 
are now healed in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Those who are controlled under the influence of something, someone other than you. We break those chains. We break those controls in Jesus' name. Kingdom of heaven is here. We believe it. We receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's sing. Jesus' name. Do it again, Lord. Would you do it again? All the stories told of the miracles. Would you do it again? Would you do it again? Because you said, consecrate yourself to me. You will see. Spirit.